Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Welcome to Door Bumper Clear. I'm Jason Schultz and the guys are back from Darlington Raceway. They'll discuss spotters, social distancing, Jimmy Johnson wrecking while leading, and Tyler Reddick joins the show to discuss his great run and ripping the top. Door Bumper Clear starts right now. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brent Griffin. Hey, me too now. This is Freddie Kraft. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Give me what you got here. New leader. Oh, watch out for this guy. White flag. Recognize. Go low. Go low. Clear. Bring home. Hey everybody, I'm TJ Majors, spotter of the 22 real cup car this uh, weekend, and uh, full house today. Brett Griffin, spotter for Clint Boyer, never been so happy to hear TJ reference a real race versus a video game race in my life. we got a lot to talk about today, man. Finally coming off of an exciting cup race uh, for the first time back in 10 weeks, Freddie. Yeah, what's up, Freddie Craft spotter for Bubba Wallace. Going to spot for Jeffrey Earnhardt on Tuesday, hopefully. Uh, man, it's good to be at the racetrack. Uh, still weird without no fans there. Kind of rolled in, just walked right up to the grandstands. Nobody around, but but it's good to be back. Hey, Casey. Hi. They can't I'm see you waving. Stuck at home, and uh, <laughs> can you tell us your tannin secrets? <sighs> I think. Yeah, I'm what do you pay. do? I don't know why. I can't record in any other room because it's echoey. I wouldn't pay for that. What? <laughs> that tan. <laughs> I don't I don't even pay for a tan. I just Clearly. it's the lighting. Ma- Y'all Maybe can't see Casey. We it, can then. see Casey on our video chat. Y'all can't see Casey till well, till Jason drops some little episodes. But I'm telling you guys, yeah. like her tanning secrets, she should publish them. They would go for a lot of you and Donald Trump. You guys can make a lot I of money. I think I'm gonna have to buy one of those, like the lights that those Instagram yes. stars you know use to give I'll you like you the link. best lighting. I'll send you a link on one for one or something because we've got a. I mean, you normally you normally have very. Uh, very good skin, you know. Very olive, no, very, very, very I olive have, yeah. skin. And and I was outside yesterday, so I have great skin. A skin, I have a great skin Ooh. tone right now. What, what, I can't what, talk. What? I even like it. So it depends on the day. If it's really cloudy out, I look like this. But if it's sunny out, the the like the lighting is a lot better. So basically, blame it on the sun. So producer Jason's mm. in the house. I gotta ask both of y'all to start this show off for us. By telling us, was that a good cup race yesterday? You, Are Casey, you, you and Jason. Yeah. Y'all watched oh, it. We yeah. sp- we worked yes. it. Yeah. Yes. I I think it was awesome. I think the effort that NASCAR put forth to make it look like really as much as as normal as possible. Um, That's not showed. what he asked. What? That's not what he asked. He asked if you thought the, it was a good race. I thought it was a good race. Okay, good. Jason. I mean, the first lap, like, really? <laughs> yeah. There was a good amount of cautions and entertainment, which I liked. I wish the end was a little closer and guys were a little racier up front. But overall, more entertaining than I thought it would be. TJ, what would you think? Man, I saw – to me, that was a more um, – there was more action in that race than I am used to really seeing rec-wise and stuff. Um we, there is the same 
There's the same um, things that we've talked about before about the cars that are just look like slot cars still, and they're just stuck. Well, they're running lower than they ever have been able to run at Darlington, um, and that's just because they're stuck to the track. Um, but racing-wise, man, we saw some guys that were off on setups. We saw some guys make some bold moves and not work out. We saw, like you said, <clears throat> a seven-time champion leading the race. You know, this is Jimmy. This is Jimmy's chance to get back into it, and and, and yeah, and you know he's leading the race, going to run up front. He's been up front that whole first part of the race, and then he choked. Just a, he, I didn't, I didn't see the mistake. I but did. I know he wrecked. I know he wrecked passing a car off a of turn two, and um, I don't know if he just slid up too far, or the seventeen crowder or whatever it was happened. But um, it's so early in that race, you're leading the race, you know lift you know lift just a little bit we might as well um, take our gloves off early let me tell you what happened seven time is going to win the stage he comes off a of turn two and he's running up on busher and busher is literally running freddie i'm going to guess 10 miles an hour slower than jimmy was it looked like on this replay and jimmy flat out ran over him and let me tell you something jeff gordon jumps on this broadcast puts on his hendrick hat and the first thing he says is oh man busher checked up jimmy had nowhere to go you know his reaction time there's no way he could have slowed the car down and every single replay they showed showed jimmy johnson not only hit Chris Buescher, not Chris Buescher into the wall, then Jimmy hits him again. That's when it spun him out. And and for Jeff, who we've all heard for the last two years, is rumored to go be an executive at Hendrick Motorsports one day. It, it, after hearing some of those comments, Freddie, it's not if he's going, it's when he's going. Yeah, I mean, we were watching it both at the same time last night after we got back, and, and I texted you immediately because I hadn't seen it, and I uh, – my, I asked my crew chief, you know, what was the, weird yesterday was no video boards to watch replays of Rex, I felt like. You know what I mean? Like, Bubba would always ask me, uh, you know, what happened there, and I'd be able to look at a replay if I didn't see it live and tell him, you know, this is what happened, looked like. And yesterday there was no replay, so I couldn't tell him. I said, I don't know. I don't know if he was, hit somebody. And crew chief said, yeah, him and the 17 got together. So I wanted to go back and watch it. And I was surprised. that he, I mean, he literally drove the 17. 17 came off the two a little bit lower, trying to protect his spot because he wants to stay on the lead lap. On a, it's the last lap of the stage. And he just literally drives him straight in the fence. And when 17 hits the fence, he knocks back down to the 48 and spins him out. And they're like, they're they're doing everything they can. Or Jeff was doing everything he could to blame the 17 when it was completely obvious that it was it was not the 17's fault. He was just trying to – and it looked like even the 17 like tried to move up to give Jimmy room. And Jimmy just kept chasing him until he finally ran him into the wall, and then they and then they wrecked Jimmy. But man, what a what a, I mean, you could see the lap before on the on the on the broadcast. He's looking in his mirror, looking to see where the twenty four was because the twenty four and the eleven were coming, and 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 I think he just choked. You know what I mean? He just he just tried to overdrive a little bit and and try to get too much off of two there, and 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 took himself out of the race. Unfortunately, but typical Jimmy comes on in his interview and is a complete class act. You know, he screwed up leading the race. He screwed up winning the stage. And he came on TV. You know, he didn't blame anybody. He literally just said, I wish I had that to do over again. But, boy, Jeff Gordon had out his Hendrick pom-poms. Never seen anything like it. Never seen anything worse than that as far as biased reporting. It's like TJ was in the booth calling a Pitsky race. Hey, at least uh, at least Jimmy didn't blame virtual me for that one. <laughs> he couldn't. There's nobody else to blame. No, absolutely nobody else to blame. Yeah, so, I'll tell you so, what, though. It was good to see Jimmy running like that, though. It was good to see Jimmy, you know, up there racing, um, getting a lead and stuff. I, you know, um, good for Jimmy to be competitive up there and racing for the lead. To, to Freddie's point, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm patty positive today about this race yesterday. It was freaking awesome. But as far as our standpoint goes there were there were three things missing for me that video board i definitely missed it because there's things that we can a lot of times do to keep up with a race to freddie's point um there are things sometimes that we don't see that we get to go back and watch on those video boards obviously miss the race fans didn't miss them at all during the race because once the race starts you know we're cued in on what we have to do as a job but pre-race missed them post-race missed them uh and in my fan vision that's something that we use a lot as a tool it's our little extra computer up there on the roof and, and they're not going to bring those fan visions back until the fans return so had to rely on my crew chief a lot yesterday in terms of uh you know knowing what lap times we needed to be running what the guys around us were running and it's amazing how close we can guess a lot of times i'm like johnny that looked the 10th better and he's like yeah it's a better you know but and, and it's just from our years of experience watching these race cars but th those are the three things 
those are my three takeaways. And if we can, as soon as we can plug those three things back in, man, that's a perfect race yesterday. So tell us, you guys were obviously only three from the show at the track. Tell us what it was like really from the time you got there to the time you left. Anything worth noting? Anything that, you know, fans might find interesting? How NASCAR really, the process that they went from start to finish, really from the time you got to the track to the time that you left. TJ and I got there at the same time, I think, and I'm telling you, the process was 100% efficient. We didn't waste any time. We went through one check for security, and by security, I mean they took dogs around our vehicles, which clearly are looking for bombs, explosive guns, those types of things. The next check was a NASCAR check where they checked our credential to make sure we were on the list, one, and two, our credential was real. And then the third check was the health screening where they took our temperature and asked us a few questions. Once you pass those things, you're allowed to go to your workplace for us three guys we literally it was almost like a friday morning practice at eight o'clock because we rolled through we got to where we needed to be and then we sat in our car for five and a half hours waiting on this race to start yeah i i give hats off to nascar for making it as seamless as um you know easy even the even um the crew guys from what i heard i wasn't in there obviously but even the crew guys um I guess everything went really smooth inside as well. Um, had a couple little issues with cars and tech, but other than that, um, I think, uh, you know, I had no issues at all. So um, I, I thought it was great. And I, all the work that went into that from NASCAR side, that I thought everything was laid out pretty easy for us. Uh, directions were simple, easy to follow. Um, they couldn't have made it any easier for the spotters. I know, I know I'd, I would have liked to go in and, and met with Paul like I normally do and Joey before the race, but that wasn't an option. But minus that stuff, it was about as easy and seamless as they could have uh, made it for everybody, I think. You know, we brought new fans in. Do we retain them? And I, I think that everything about that race, even going back and watching the broadcast last night, was perfect. If we didn't break records for attendance – um, for the last couple years, given the situation we've been in as a sport with TV declining, then it flattened out last two years. Like if we didn't, if we didn't have high ratings, it means TV picked the wrong start, start time for me, Freddie. Like I thought it was freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean the race was great from our standpoint. You know, like we talked about, there's drama. There's guys up front wrecking. Um, you know, and we've talked about this before. The only downside to the TV deal for me is the lack of ability to show the sensation of speed. You know what I mean? These cars don't look. Like, these guys are on the edge every lap, running up against the wall, hanging it out there, driving their asses off. And on TV sometimes it just looks like, hey, they're, you know, they're running 80 miles an hour, just no problem, stuck to the racetrack. So I wish, I, we, I still, to this day, I don't have the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, you can't just have a still camera and these guys fly by it. Because, like, we've talked about it here before. You go down by the fence and stand there or stand, like, by turn one, these guys are hauling ass. And you're like, wow. That's why we say you got to see these races yeah. live. But... That, but, that's you right. Know, there's no way that there's there, I don't there's no way to do it. So I don't know what the what the right answer is. But I just wish there was a way to show the sensation of speed a little bit more on TV. TJ and I, yeah, TJ come blowing by me getting into Pageland, South Carolina. He was speeding, and I was like, <laughs> oh, he's getting ready to get lit up because Pageland cops are tough. We stopped at the stoplight. I was, not, I was right. barely. I was not speeding. You were seven over when you came by me. We stopped at the stoplight. We roll our windows down. That's not I was speeding. like, I was like, man, can you believe how fast? The cars were going in the center of the corner today, Freddie. To your point, like, holy cow, they were flying. Yeah, they, uh, gosh dang, man. Like, the guys, as low as they could run, I mean, you're almost in down there where it looks like you're pitting, you know. And, um, man, right when you're like, oh, that's not going to work, they they turn and make the corner on exit. Um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely odd. and it, We're definitely getting lower and lower. You know, I've been – going to Darlington for six, 17 years now, something like that, 16, 17 years. And they are, it, it used to be a battle to who could get up by the wall. And now it's a battle. You know, I know there was a, now it's a battle to get low. Hey, talk about speeding through Pageland, Brett. What, who decided that on that 151 Pageland Highway, whatever the hell you want, it's got seven different names. It's got seven different names and 37 different speed limits. Who, who, like, who wrote that plan up? So the only way to get realistically from like Ohio, Michigan, Ohio, 
that whole area all the way to Myrtle Beach. The only way to get through there back in the day was to come through Pageland, South Carolina and, come, and to come down that 151 Pageland Highway, old Pageland Highway, right? So we have to have speed traps, Freddie. We got towns that have only have 500 people in them, 2,000 people in them. We have to make our money off the Yankees that come from the north and want to go visit our lovely beaches. So um, I mean, it's like every half. If you've, ever, if you've ever made this trip, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like every half mile. It's 55, 45, 35, 55, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25. 25 and McBee. It's McBee. It's not McBee. It's McBee. It's nah. McBee, jackass. <laughs> it's McBee. I lived there my whole life. It's not. It's McBee if you're a Yankee and it, it's up north. It don't matter. It's McBee. Dude, I like, like, I don't really ever go, like, seven mile an hour is kind of my cutoff, but some once in a while you'll be going down there and not not in the 35 zones and all that. You don't, you don't, you do 35 or less in them zones. But uh, yeah. once you get around, once it gets up to around 45, I mean, uh, you, you're, it's safer, but dude, you you got to see that first sign because if the first signs are a little early, and if you don't catch them early, you're doing 55 into this 35 like yeah, easily, you're no done. problem. It's and over. You, some it never never fails that somebody flies by and you're like, oh, there he goes. You there you there's know. an over under of you pass at least four people pulled over on this trip every time. Like no matter what you do, there's always at least two or three people that are pulled over in Mac, Mac B. Or Pagelin or some one of these one of these thirty five or twenty five mile an hour zones. Yeah, welcome to South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in other news, uh, what do you guys think of the schedule coming out or the next phase of the schedule being released this week? Any thoughts on the races we have canceled, um, postponed? What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, I think we kind of expected most of them. Uh, still kind of local. Uh, so I'm assuming, I don't know this for sure. I don't know if you guys have heard if we're flying to Atlanta or not. I don't, I would assume not, but maybe it, and Homestead, yeah. I assume will be the Homestead will be the first one we have to travel to, I would think. So, um, I'm not even hundred percent sure there might be some, might be some people that drive the Talladega. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I would think so. I would, I would, I would drive to Talladega. I mean, I don't, I'm not driving to Miami. I'm not driving to Miami. Definitely not driving that's, to Miami. That's not happening. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's good to you know get back to some short tracks here soon. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, everything stays the same and we don't have to make any more changes anytime soon. I think we're going to be yeah. given the option. I, I, I honestly think we're we're going to be given the option on whether or not we fly to Atlanta. You know, because I think if we don't fly to Atlanta, we're going to have to overnight in a hotel, and I'm not sure what's better for the crew guys because if they open that garage. You know, at seven thirty, eight thirty in the morning. I mean, you're going to leave home at two in the morning, drive five hours, work a twelve, fourteen hour day, and turn around, and drive five hours home. I don't know how, I don't know how safe that is. Um, I think you'd have to offer us a hotel stay. And, and quite honestly, I don't know what's safer: us flying on a private airplane, you know, twenty five or thirty of us uh, that are already around each other anyway, or, or us jumping in a car and overnight in a hotel. Uh, but, but I mean, ex- excited about the Cup schedule for sure. Heartbroken about. The Xfinity schedule. When I look at Iowa with no dates, it goes back to the revenue model, and there's not enough TV money for those standalone tracks to be able to make money if there's no fans, because those tracks make money off fans. They make money off concessions, parking, merchandise sales. And when you look at the model that says if we can't have those things, we can't open our doors. It's very scary for now and for the future, and and for literally the future of Iowa Speedway. I hope that they can correct that problem because we talked about last week how important that Midwest market is to a lot of us. So for for Iowa to lose two races and basically be closed for the season, uh, man, it hurts my heart. Yeah, Iowa needs a cup race, in my opinion. That's how they Iowa fix it. Iowa needs a cup race. It, it is a great racetrack. We will go there and have great races. There will be cars from top to bottom there during a whole run, which is what we don't have a lot of at short tracks nowadays. It'll be it'll be similar to Bristol, but they'll be spread out even further, and uh, it's going to be great. I hope one day we can go there. I I think unfortunately, I hate to I hate to say this, I think Iowa Speedway will shut down before it gets a speed, uh, Cup date, and and we talked about last week. The you know the effect on losing Chicago's market in the Midwest this is another big market, especially for ag people. You know all these ag sponsors that we have, Nutrient Ag and Brandt and all them. Um, so you know we, I'd hate to see this happen, but you know I, I think that 
you know, I've heard we've heard some rumblings through the grapevine that, you know, Iowa might be on his last legs. And it's such a shame because it's such a great facility and puts on such a great race. But, you know, like you said, without a cup date, it's, it's going to be hard to keep it alive. Well, before we get started, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor, OfferPad. When it comes to buying or selling your home, we know it's a stressful process. However, we know people revolutionizing how you can go about it. That's right, Brett. Our friends at OfferPad.com are making the home buying and selling process extremely easy. You can easily go to OfferPad.com, take five minutes to fill out a form about your home, and within a day, you'll receive an offer. That's what I call easy and stress-free, TJ. And then if you're moving locally, they will actually move you for free. Lots of door bumper clear listeners like you have been using OfferPad, and now it's your time to do the same. Yes, please make the smart decision when you need to sell your home and visit OfferPad.com. Spot on, spot off. Spot on, spot on, spot off. Spot on, spot on, you like it, spot off, you don't like it, and you say why either way. All right, first topic. NASCAR asked two spotters to spread further apart in the grandstands. How about you, Brett? Boy, you're going to make my blood pressure boil to start this show. It That's takes, why I asked you. It, it doesn't take much to push my buttons, but it takes a lot to really piss me off. And this picture of us on TV, I know now why Donald Trump gets so mad at the media and talks about fake news. This picture, that the screen that was put on television, I saw it last night around lap 205, 215, whatever it was. It was obviously we were under caution. I was sitting down. I was wearing a maroon hat, a white top, and khaki pants. Joel Edmonds was seven feet to my right. Brandon Banesh was more than seven feet to my left. And the way it looked, it looked like Joel was sitting on my lap and I was kissing Brandon's ass. And neither one of those things were accurate. When they accused the spotters of not social distancing, they literally lost credibility for me for about 30. I, I'm telling you, I was when the race was over and I got in my car, we're driving home. We start seeing these tweets for the first time. And people were saying NASCAR warned us. The NASCAR official sat right in front of me the entire race. He never once got up. He never once warned us. We were never asked over the radio to spread out. Now, I can't speak to whether or not they came over a different channel and had an official go to two guys in particular, like O'Donnell referenced. But I'm telling you right now, that screenshot is And we were social. The great news for us is Hannah Newhouse was watching the same broadcast we were watching. She was there working for MRN. And when she saw it, she live tweeted what we really look like in the stands. That made me mad. Yeah. I mean, this I was fired up. I was up tweeting all night to people. I had got so bad. Elliot asked me this morning, what the hell, why was I even doing it? Because he didn't understand why, like who we were trying to defend ourselves against. But, you know, I, there's, <laughs> man, it's, and the, the people that you could tell it's, you try not to get down the pit rabbit hole of fighting with people that just want you to fight with them. And I, I needed to do a better job of it last night. But then you have a moron like Nick Bromberg, who should know better, but all he wants is attention. So now he is going to go on here and, and tweet about, you know, oh, look at him. And then go back and, and pull up the rules and say, here, what we're supposed to do. And we're obviously disobeying the rules. And, and then and somebody finally, like, I guess eventually they kept like sharing Hannah's video with him. And he said, well, that's just not a direct, you know, that's not a direct comparison to Bob's video. Yes, it is. It's right after that. As soon as she saw it, she, she videoed it. So, I mean, the picture I originally showed was lap one because you can tell Bowman and Brad are on the front row. And it's a picture of us all spread out. So now later in the race, everybody's trying to say, oh, we must all move together before that shot in turn one. I never moved all day. I might have, as a run was going on, I might have drifted one step in one direction or the other. But I, it wasn't like I was ever anywhere near. There's a picture in that same picture of Brett sitting, kissing Brandon's ass. Uh, me and Jason Jarrett are hip to hip with Brandon. And it looks like Herm is sitting on Jason Jarrett's shoulders when we were all, you know, six feet apart the whole time. You can look and the 
just the distortion of that video, it looks like there's five seats per row when there's over 20. I mean, if you're not smart enough to figure out the, the perspective of pictures, I really can't help you. And if you agree with anything that moron Nick Bromberg says, you, you, you I, I really can't help you. This guy is really just out. He has the stupidest takes in the sport. Last year he said that Drew Herring shouldn't be allowed to race Homestead. Drew Herring is probably half the reason why Toyota is as good as they are because he does all their sim testing for them. So the guy got a shot to drive that 96 car one time, and this guy tried to tear him down. So it just, I mean, whatever. What an idiot. Well, uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I agree with the, the, the TV shot. That TV stand is way off in turn two. Up above where the fence line is and the billboards and stuff. And to me, that's looking at an angle at us. So you can tell when you go back and watch it on TV, every little notch that you see is a seat. And you can tell there's tons of notches on there. It's not even close to representing the distance that we had. Um, I don't even know why this was an issue. People can't figure out. This camera is literally... A half mile away from it, zooming way in. The this it made the scoring stand sound like it was um um you know like look like it was twenty feet long when it's really way longer than that. They made it look like a tiny section of the racetrack there when really it's a plenty big enough section. I took a uh, I took a picture um, under the pace laps, a panoramic, and you can clearly see. Everybody spread out, and we don't move during the race. Anybody who thinks we all just get together during the race, you think I want to be closer to Brett? No, I don't want to be closer to Brett. You don't want an Earl. You don't want to be closer at all. You won't be able to see around him. So um, you won't like uh, you don't move during the race, and that camera angle is just so deceiving. Like it's there, fake news. Nothing, it, <laughs> it is. It's it's you know I hate he, to agree with Brett a lot, but there is um. That camera angle is makes it look completely different. It's so far away and zoomed in. It looks um, like it looks like we're across two sections or three sections of grandstands. When I went back and counted last night, it was seven sections that we spread across, and there's twenty seats per twenty over twenty seats wide per row. So I mean, you know, whatever. I, just if you if you're not smart enough to figure that out, it's on you. Yeah, I the, the the picture that was taken at the green flag is accurate as can be because nobody moves from that point. From 45 minutes before the race, we are not going to move spots to an hour before the race. Once we are there, we are in them spots and we stay there. So yeah, you could tell that by the just by the video. Like I took a, the I posted I tweeted a picture of lap one, and then the video that Hannah posted I retweeted, and we're all in the exact same spot, and that's lap two something. You know, that's after lap two fifteen when the Fox video was, and we're all in the same exact spot. So I don't know, yeah. you know, like what these people are like. Oh, you guys moved when NASCAR told you, yeah. So we all got together at lap two fifteen, and then we all scattered right back to the same exact spot we were at at lap one. Yeah, this I mean, this isn't the the straight on shot at the start finish line um, at the beginning of the race. That's the most accurate picture that you can have, and. The other one's so far away and zoomed in. It's so deceiving. If you actually go back and pause it, look at all the little notches of seats. It looks like everybody's. It's. It looks like everybody's shoulder to shoulder, but we are not close. It's. It's just deceiving. That's all the, there is to the it. Only that's the only time, like there's, there was very minimum times where you saw somebody maybe scoot by somebody else to go to the bathroom because there's only one bathroom up there that we all have to use, so we all have to go in the same direction to use it. Um, and and maybe like a, I think Brandon Banesh borrowed something from me. He borrowed a sharpie, so I still you know I reached out and handed him a sharpie. So we might have been four feet apart at that point. But I mean, it, you're still moving. You know what I mean? I mean, you're 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 not moving and standing next to each other. It's just a, a you know scooting by somebody or handing off some stuff. But I mean, I, I don't know. I thought we did a great job, and then getting the car and to see all that stuff last night really pissed me off. I went to the bathroom three times up there, and I saw a person one time. You need to take a fluid it. pill if you went three times in three hours. What are you talking oh. about? You we went up right before we went up and lot fifth whatever that caution was, you were going down already. So I don't know. You're well, that the was an thing. insurance pee. That was just so I didn't have to pee later. <laughs> At lap thirty? Yeah. Lap ninety. It was first break. <laughs> <laughs> I so I'll tell you why I go so much. Number one, I drink a ton of water now. 
I've cut every soda and everything out. I don't drink any soda or anything anymore. Good, good job. Um, <laughs> um, and second of all, one time about seven, eight years ago, we Peed were in Texas. Pants. I, we were at Texas, and Texas is about as far as way we can get from a real bathroom. And I had to go so bad, and we ended up going through like three green flag pit stops. And I about, I, it was the worst experience, almost about a, as bad as being cold there. Um, so I don't chance that anymore. I'm still holding strong. I've never had to go during a race. Still, still keep my streak intact. Is that normal? You're a, you're a camel. That's crazy. Well, I've got that. You're. <laughs> The Coke 600, I mean, that's the, like, longest race Just ever. Pee before you go. So if Freddie lays on his back, he might be a camel. <laughs> yeah. There's multiple humps. <laughs> if Freddie lays on his back and we started tickling him, that'd be a good video. What the f***? What are you talking about? <laughs> Let's go, Casey. Keep us moving. Oh, next topic. Ryan Newman's questionable spin to bring out the final caution on lap 254. Hey, let me just tell you, Ryan Newman is back. <laughs> Ryan Newman is back. And he is driving. Uh, I mean, I was, it's so glad to see Ryan Newman back in that six car. Um, and Ryan, you could tell he was ready to be back. He, he could drive into turn three so deep. And it was, uh, he I was don't fast know if he, too, TJ, I, mean. I don't know if he saw Jesus in his wreck, but I know he saw Jesus every time he went to turn three. I, it was, uh, it was good to see Ryan out there and he was racing hard, man. I know Ryan was having a blast and he couldn't wait to get back out there. So I was super happy for Ryan, uh, to be back on the track. And I think we all liked seeing that six car back out there with him in it. So, um, but the spin part, so I was watching him when he came out of turn four and he almost wrecked. I don't know if you guys saw it. He got really loose in four and, like, started spinning down to the inside, locked him up, straightened it out, did a great job saving it, got it rolling again, went down to turn one and uh, just, I guess, got really loose on the bottom or something, got really loose down there and, uh, you know, spun it out and somehow managed to stay a car length in front of the leader as Harvick was slowing down. Like, you couldn't have timed that any any better like that, but... uh, yeah, I mean, A for effort. Well, first of all, Ryan Newman was not the only intentional spin yesterday. There was three of them. One of them was a very good one. It was very hard to tell that he did it on purpose. It was William Byron because he had a right rear flat. So that's, that's you know, you could you could go either way with that one. Hopefully hopefully these guys don't ever come out and admit that they did this because I think that's a, like a $50,000 fine. I think I, I taught them that lesson. Don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like – a guy, and I think Suarez, but he was coming to pit road 45 laps down already and spun out to save himself 40 going from 46 down. But, um, I think he got a lead lap finish, didn't he? Oh, probably because we had 37 wave rounds there at one point. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like obviously, I hate this. I hate this stuff. I hate it when Bubba did it last year, but there's no reason not to do it because NASCAR hasn't done anything to anybody aside from Bubba when he admitted doing it and they find him. But, you know, there's no repercussion for spinning yourself out, and and if you if Ryan Newman, I don't know where Red Newman ended up finishing yesterday, it had to be pretty decent, right? He's uh, I don't know if it was um, I think he fell off a little bit at the end. Yeah, but I'm saying I think he was in front of me. I was 21st. I'm pretty sure he's a top 20. So he, yeah, he, has, he was 15th. He has, he has no shot at a 15th place finish if he doesn't do that. You know, he's going to lose laps. He's going to end up multiple laps down and probably end up. 25th to 30th so you know there's no reason to not do it you might as well go for it and 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 until nascar does something about it you're just going to continue to see it i did not see his spin and i did not see the replay of his spin uh the william byron thing william had a loose wheel and it was causing his fender to rub his tire which caused his tire to go flat and you can see before he spun that he got really, really loose off. And then the next corner is when he pulled down on the apron and, and, and spun the car out. Uh, I think this is us not uh, – the, the broadcast not coming out to say that tells us that, that we miss PR people being at the track because a PR person is going to leave their pit box. They're going to go find a pit reporter, a Matt Yoakum, and they're going to tell Yoakum, hey – we got a loose wheel. So yesterday when you heard guys saying, the broadcast team saying they had a loose wheel, that's now relying solely on Fox News scanner guys. They got spotters around the racetrack that are listening to these things. Um, but when you can't have your team tell the broadcast exactly what's going on, which is one of the PR person's jobs of many, they got a lot of jobs. Uh, but I think that's a, a fault of that. But 
Look, man, people been spinning out on purpose as long as I've been watching. And I started watching at four years old. There are a lot of races. I was a huge Dale Earnhardt fan. If Dale Earnhardt was about to get lapped, the old 71 card Dave Marcus, he'd make a spin on occasion. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. admitted to spinning out one time at Bristol on purpose. To me, spinning out on purpose one time, a hundred times, uh, no crime is different. If you do it on purpose, it's on purpose. To Freddie's point, we've seen uh, one person penalized for it in recent years, Bubba Wallace, and obviously uh, the whole Michael Waltrip thing that went down years ago. Uh, but but again, that was it, – it's, it's just so hard for them to police it. It was, but now with this data – I don't think it is. So, like, I, I don't know. I mean, TJ last year, there was an incident where Logano spun out on purpose. You know, Freddie and I called it. TJ can't admit it. He's not going to admit it. I don't blame him. I wouldn't admit it either. But they could go back. Tire. They could go back. So do William. And, and if you crank it left and stand on the throttle, guess what's going to happen? You're going to spin out. So, I don't we know. We are just trying to get back to pit road to get it changed as quick as we could. That's how you did it. Could bring out a caution. But I don't know. And I'm asking you guys this, honestly. You know, all, all three of our guys at some point in our careers have spun out on purpose. How do you, how do you police it? Like you said, with the, there's ways to look at the data now. But, you know, you'd have to go back in real time and, and rewind and go and go back and check and see, you know, where the wheel, where the wheel was at, where the throttle was at. What's the penalty? I, I mean, it, if you find somebody doing it, what's the penalty? I would, I would take a lap away. I would penalize the guy one lap. I mean, every time it's happened in NASCAR's history, it changes the outcome of the race, no matter what it yeah. is, no matter what happened. Yeah, that- I mean, I went from running a top fifth, a top 12 to running 17th because of, of the Ryan Newman caution, right? So it cost me five points because then I ended up getting tape on the grill and all that other that happened. But, like, I don't know how you police it. And then once you police it, I don't know how you enforce it and what the rule is for the penalty. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, I, I think the best thing you can do, and you see this a lot of short tracks, you know, if you stop on the racetrack to get a caution or spin out you know, on purpose, it's a, it's a one-lap penalty. And maybe it's a one-lap penalty where you're not eligible for a lucky dog or a wave around to make it hurt even that much more. Because that's what you're, you're saving yourself for the, losing a lap or two laps you know, by slowly coming to the pits and having to go through a pit stop. So you know, you're, not, you're not taking their race away, but you're just penalizing them probably what they would have lost. Spons. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Me neither. Spot on, spot off. Brad Keselowski's comments about transition from iRacing to real racing. Jason, you have that quote? So the problem with that is if you've had success with some of the simulators or the internet events, you almost build a false sense of confidence. And that false sense of confidence when you get on the real racetrack can be a big problem. So there's a lot of drivers that have been putting a lot of time behind the simulator, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. Spot on, spot off. TJ. Um, there's two ways to look at it. I understand what Brad's saying, but I don't think the guys that are putting the time in on the simulators are doing it for exact track time, getting used to the, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to have to put simulator time in this week that are going for the Xfinity race and the truck race that haven't been there, not the truck race there anymore, but the Xfinity race, we got guys that have never been to there before, right? They're going to, what can they do? They got no... They've got no choice but to get on the simulator right now. But the guys, what they've been doing in the off season is really just to kind of to keep something to keep relevant, you know. And and they weren't going out there working on setups. They were all driving a fixed setup that that they didn't work on. So you're not really going out there working on your car setups. You're going out there basically to just kind of drive the track and have some fun. And the tracks, you know, setup wise. Obviously, you can't compare, um, but the tracks are laser scanned, and they're as almost as accurate as you can get. Bless you, they're um, they're as accurate as you can get to a racetrack to get to get laps on. So, a guy like Harrison Burton that's going to go to Darlington for the first time, I think I'm not sure, I might be wrong, but he's going to go to Darlington for the first time. You cannot tell me that he's not going to be better by going and running some laps on the. On, on iRacing or, or a sim to get better, to get more familiar on where the wall is, where to turn down. The things are laser scanned. You know, how how do you get more accurate than that? But to Brad's point, what he's saying, I think, is you can do things in the sim car that you don't do in real life, and you can take those things, and if you try to apply in real life, they're just not going to work. There are things that do work, but... 
I think you need to be able to separate it from something, you know, fun and not use it as much of a tool for setup stuff and, and, st- and things like that. But you can definitely, you can't tell me that if we go to a racetrack, me and Freddie and Brett, we go to a racetrack for the first time. Uh, none of us have ever been to this track, never seen it, never, uh, never heard of it. We let Freddie go and run some laps on iRacing. Um, you know, let him practice iRacing for a few days on it and, and get real, you know, get used to it. And we show up there and me and Brett have no idea the layout. Who's going to be faster? You know what I mean? Like who's going to, who, who's going to have the advantage? So it is a tool in a certain aspect, but it's also a, um, you know, I think you need to be able to separate it from, you know, thing tricks that you, obviously Kyle Busch isn't going to be able to take his tricks and these good guys, what they know in the real car and apply them to our racing. They're all going to work the same. You can't expect that. I, I just don't know. Do like, is he talking about somebody in particular? Cause I didn't see anybody do anything yesterday that I thought, I mean, obviously the dumbest move of the race was Ricky Stenhouse on the first lap of the race. And I don't think that had anything to do with iRacing. I think that was him. That move will not work on iRacing either. Yeah. I think that was him looking at his lineup and seeing Corey the joy in front of him and thinking, I got to get around this 32 car as fast as I can when Corey is not in the way by any means, you know, it's not like Corey is, you know, Corey's not in the best equipment, but he's not like somebody that's going to just hold you up five rows, you know? So I don't know why, you know, it just seemed like Ricky just tried to make a bonehead move on the first lap, but I don't, a guy like a guy like John Hunter Nemechek, I think that, I think probably iRacing probably benefited him. I mean, he was public enemy number one on iRacing the last couple of weeks with, uh, you know, Junior and, and uh, Danny and them. And he went out and had a hell of a race yesterday. So I don't, I don't really know who Brad's trying to refer this to, but I mean, I don't, I didn't see anybody do anything yesterday that looked like something that they would have, you know, learned or tried on iRace, and it didn't work here yesterday. Brad's usually a pretty methodical thinker, but this is a pretty stupid statement. Uh, I'm definitely spot off on his comment. I thought guys raced as hard yesterday as I've ever seen them raced. I thought guys looked as hungry yesterday as I've ever seen them look. And I think it's only going to be better on Wednesday night when we go back racing because it's 100 less miles. It's a 300-mile race, not a 400-mile race. So I'm I'm excited, man. I think Darlington's a great racetrack. And I think if you were entertained on Sunday, you may even be more entertained when we go back on Wednesday night or Thursday, uh, pending what this tropical storm does, it's headed our way. Brad, I really think he means like what all the tricks that William knows. Like William's ridiculously fast on iRacing because he knows them tricks. Like him, like you go to that. Uh, we had a uh, replacements Atlanta race. William can show up at the last second. And he's top of the board because he runs, you know, twenty races a week on there, and he he likes it. He's good at it, you, but he's not going to be able to take what he does on iRacing to be fast and apply all of them. You know what I mean? Like if a car gets loose on there, you might not correct it the same way on iRacing. He's saying you do things on there that you just can't do in a real car. But I don't, I think the times are different now and I think it's a lot closer than what it used to be back in the day, you know, back in 2012 or 13 ish. I, I think it's different now. Um, I mean, to my knowledge, TJ, a lot closer. to my knowledge, Denny Hamlin is the only guy that's truly in a, quote, simulator where there is movement in his butt when he turns his wheel, right? William explained to us on our on our show that iRacing is about eye tracking. So there's no seat of the pants feel to communi- communicate to the crew chief what changes you need to make your race car faster. So I, I think anybody with a brain would realize that part of it. But, I mean, to your point, 100%. Clint goes on there and runs, you know, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and he's not a big iRacing guy during the week, but before we would go to those racetracks, he would get on there for his breaking points and for his line of sight, for his peripheral vision, to always know exactly where he's at on the racetrack, familiarize himself with what his marks are. I mean, people hear us all the time saying, hit your marks, get in your rhythm. When we tell a guy to hit his marks, it's not within three feet. It's within three inches of getting in the corner. So, uh, man, if you, iRacing definitely gives those guys uh, an advantage, the young guys, if they've never seen I me. Mean, look at Tyler Reddick. This guy rolls into Darlington as a rookie and puts on a hell of a show. John Hunter Nemechek, hell of a show. They obviously did their homework, and they showed up with zero practice. It's crazy. Hey, Brett. That's a pretty you- bird. Do you have a gun on you by any chance? No, well, yeah. Can you shoot whatever bird is twerping behind you? I came outside I because my kids would nice, be loud. Now my kids are running it. around chasing dogs. They're about to drive me nuts. This, this pandemic's killing I'd me. I'd rather hear the bird. I'd, I'd rather just hear the bird. Shoot the bird in the head and be done with it. It's driving me crazy. You can't say that. 
Yeah, Peter. Do you have a license for that? You need a license for that? FEMA listens to us. You can't say that. Peter. When you have kids, you'll be happy FEMA? to hear that bird. FEMA, yeah. FEMA, FEMA listens to us. We're going to have hurricane relief. <laughs> We're going to need it this week. <laughs> What is OfferPad? Well, put simply, we're your online home buyer. OfferPad is the modern home selling solution with a personalized human touch that lets you skip all the traditional headaches. We buy your home from you so you can move forward the moment you're ready. We've had the pleasure of helping thousands of happy home sellers, and we'd love to help you. Getting started is easy. Go to OfferPad.com, enter basic information about your home, and the next day, we'll send you a great offer. It's free, and there's no obligation. Why is OfferPad? pad the better way because we give you what traditional selling can't certainty and control selling to offer pad means no showings you pick your closing day and we'll even move you locally for free we have a 94 satisfaction score and a a plus bbb rating for a reason it truly is a better way so start thinking about where you want to live next get excited about making that move with offer pad you're sold go to offerpad.com and request your free purchase offer today offer pad move freely so I got a tweet last night that was kicked to me by a guy named Ryan Helly, and it was, is Christopher Bell the new Kyle Larson? Uh, he loves the high lane, should be good at Homestead. What do you guys think? And I looked, and, and Christopher Bell is about to be passed in, Mac, by, by, in the points by Matt Kenseth. And my pick to be the new Kyle Larson, because this guy, we've talked about him on, on the show for a year and a half, he makes the races exciting. He rim rides. He hits the wall. He goes down to the next corner, hits it again. Welcome to Door Bumper Clear, Tyler Reddick. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I did a good bit of that yesterday, in fact, actually. I hit the wall quite a bit. I saw you once. You were behind Clint. You were racing him hard. And you guys came through down the front stretch. And I was like, oh, he's already hit the wall on the right rear. And I literally said to Clint, I'm like, hey, that's uh, Reddick behind you. Newbie here. Let's not get caught up racing this guy because you guys had some history earlier in the year. We can get to that in a minute. And I was like, let's just let him go. I was like, because he's going to screw his day up. Well, you never did, man. You kept it hung out all day. I mean, I, I think I actually did a little bit. Um, you know, these. I think my car lost a little bit of speed probably about 60, 60 70 laps to go. I, I actually hit it pretty pretty good. Amazingly, I didn't cut a tire. But I noticed right away just the loss in, in, in side force and just that side bite that I'd had all day. So. You just can't get away with it like you can in an Xfinity car for sure. Yeah. So I got to ask you this, and then we'll kick it to these other guys. So Darlington, no practice in a cup car, no qualifying in a cup car. Obviously, you'd had really two really solid runs in Xfinity Series car. How does a guy like you come into this racetrack? Because we always hear race the racetrack, don't make mistakes. Like you're, you're an aggressive guy behind the wheel, but how do you go into Darlington and have as much speed as you had literally right off the bat? I mean, you ran top 10 all day until you had a problem there at one point. Like, how do you mentally prepare for something like that? Because I saw guys like Custer take it really easy. You're the exact opposite. You're an aggressive guy. I was just excited for this race. I've, um, you know, I, I used to love seeing two Darlington races a year. And when I heard we were going to be going here twice in a matter of, three or four days. I mean, I, I hopped up and I was ready to go. We, we started working on setups and we already had a rental already had a pretty good idea and had a pretty good setup. We were good in the Xfinity car there last year running off the wall. And I thought if I could just uh, get back to running up high and, and carrying the momentum, especially in these cup cars with less downforce or more downforce, less horsepower, it would work. And it seemed to work pretty early on for sure. So we just worked really, really hard on this setup um, in the, in the simulators when, whenever they were open back up, and just really getting it dialed in. And, and even, even that line, it seemed to find something there through one and two uh, in the simulator. And I was kind of shocked that it, it was able to work even in the simulator. And that's kind of what sprung me to jump to it so quick in the race yesterday. Well, I was going to say, whoever uh, brought that up to you again, Brett, must not have watched how both the last Xfinity championships were won uh, at Homestead. You know, supposedly the guy running the wall that's supposed to be really good at it. The guy that ran the wall and won the races uh, is Tyler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I saw what you were doing. Um, there was a few guys doing that there last year, Tyler. You know, that the lane in the one there, in the one and off of two. Um, Denny's the first one that sticks out to me that, that kind of would use it quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, if you could just – if you could just take it down, you know, maybe a tiny, uh, the tiniest bit, 
Um, impressive run from the beginning, though, man. Um, just a, a very impressive run for a place like that to be around, uh, you know, cup guys. Coming off Phoenix where you had a, a solid run going there, too. So um, I, people can say they're they're surprised by, you know, your success so far, but I'm not – I'm not personally very surprised by how well you're doing in it. Um, I think you're uh, you're very good at running the wall and figuring it out up there. Um, that's where a lot of people can't go and find speed right now. So you're taking full advantage of it. But Phoenix was the opposite, man. You can't. There was there was no wall to run at Phoenix, and you still uh, still managed to pick your way to the top five ish there and um, and do good. So yeah, if you could, if I was spotting for you, I would be telling you to go ahead and back it down a notch. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've worked with Tyler back when he drove for Brad, um, you know, I think from your very first race, right? Yep, sure did. The Arca, Arca, Arca race at Daytona. Yeah. and then poor you. Oh, my gosh, you had your hands full. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, thanks for coming on our show and listening to TJ talk the whole time. <laughs> yeah, TJ, TJ, hey, can I, you kiss his ass this much? You know, he you realize he doesn't drive for Penske, right? I mean, I know he has a tie to Brad, but you realize he he runs at RCR. You shouldn't be kissing his ass this much. I don't know. Um. Why, well, hey, man? He's doing well, and this this is nothing that we. Me and Brad have said this before, though. We said he was going to be good, and yeah. uh, it's not really a surprise. Though. Can you like just? I, it's hard to. Can you put into words how what it, what it's how are you guys so much better at running the top? I know Bubba talks about you know you can feel a little bit of cushion when you get up there and and but you see the dirt guys excel at it. Can you you know best you can put into words why you guys are so much better at it? I don't know. Um, you know normally you know, it, it, at Homestead uh, an Xfinity car. I've noticed it at, at California when you get up right by the fence, you can feel that cushion. But I don't know. I. I don't know if it's necessarily searching for the cushion at Darlington as much as tries trying to get your right sides a little bit of that clean racetrack or just trying to open up your eggs a little bit of the corner. It seems to, to help at Darlington. I really couldn't feel the wall that much to be quite honest with you, but um, I don't know. It's, it's just a feel. And, and two, you know, as soon as somebody starts to come off the wall a little bit and you see a little tunnel open up, you just can't help it. Mass the gas wide open and try and fill it. I guess that's some of it too. I just like passing people on the top. That might be a lot of it, honestly. You could see early in the race, guys like Newman and even Priest and a couple other guys were really making the bottom of one and two work. And I think it was just a matter of staying below the rubber. And then eventually you were the one, I think, that went up there first and got kind of above the rubber and clean racetrack and, and maybe away from them bumps in one and two and really were able to t- make that top come in. Yeah, it's a it's an odd little wrap there off of two. You you think you're going to, as you're going into two wide open, you're just going to nail the fence off of turn two. But it's just the way the banking kind of wraps you there. It almost has the feeling of landing into turn one at Charlotte. It just it just hooks the car around. It just seemed to work. There's, I don't really think there's any secret to it. It's just, you know, just trying to find some clean racetrack and open the exit up. You're not, af- you're not afraid to hit the wall. Are you? You're not like, you don't go no. into a race afraid to hit the wall. I mean, I was a little afraid to hit the wall uh, yesterday, but unfortunately the first time I hit the dang wall, I was hitting it going into turn three behind Chase Elliott. Cause I couldn't see where the heck I was on the racetrack. I could not get around Chase Elliott yesterday. He was hard to pass, but drove it straight in the fence the first time down a straightaway. In typical fashion, I did that at Homestead, too. <laughs> Does it piss you off? Because I saw you catch Chase Elliott, and the minute you caught him, he moved up to take your line away. Like, when you see guys moving up, knowing that they're taking away your line, and you're the only guy out there ripping that top, like, does it piss you off a little bit? No, because if I'm in their spot and someone's that much faster in a different line like that, I got to try it and figure it out, too. Um, you know, what was frustrating is he did – he did find a little more speed up there, but we were still better than he was for a good bit. But either I burned my stuff up or he truly did find more. I don't know. But um, it is aggravating at times, but that's part of racing. I mean, if I just expect the guy to just let me go uncontested, I mean, that, that's that's not really exactly what, what uh, we're trying to do out here either. So, yeah, it stinks. It kind of slowed us down as we were charging back to the front, but I can't really be upset about him doing that. I mean, he's got to try and do the best he can for his race. So eventually, I mean – Eventually, guys way back up into I think fourth or fifth there at the end of the race. So he did what he had to do to make make his event go the way it needed to and, and have a good showing for himself. I thought you gambled, not by by you coming into the series as a rookie. I thought you gambled coming into the series into an organization that hadn't had a lot of speed the last few years, 
and bringing a rookie crew chief because I've seen a lot of guys going back to Greg Biffle. Like Biffle's this this badass, and he comes up, he brings his his uh, truck crew chief with him, and they get the cup, and it takes them a hot minute to get going. You guys are you guys are you overachieving? You're overachieving. Your team's overachieving. You're outrunning the three car. You got a lot more speed than the three car. How did it come about that that was going to be your crew chief? Was that a Richard decision, Mike Dillon, Andy Petrie? How much say did you have in it? Because I honestly thought you guys were making a mistake. I, I didn't really have to say much. I mean, we we just we just showed it in our chemistry. We showed it in how we worked together at the shop, at the racetrack. Um, and I think Randall showed everybody at the shop just by how hard he worked and and his, I guess, his approach to the race weekends and where he wanted the cars for, for myself and, and us as a team. He's a good leader. He does a really good job. And, and actually, I mean, he, in a way, I guess this will be, I think, his first full year as a crew chief in the Cup Series. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got some experience with A.J. Allmendinger over when he was at the 47. They had some good speed at times in that car. So he knows what he's doing, you know, and he, he, he was over at Ganassi as, a, as an engineer back uh, when Juan Pablo Montoya was driving that car. And uh, with Jamie McMurray, through those years, he won the Brickyard and Daytona 500. So he's got experience. He's been around the guys. Um, you know, we got paired together. It was just, uh, it was just good for him and good for me. We just get along great, have similar backgrounds, both loved our late models. So we come from similar backgrounds and we both get along really well together. And I think chemistry is, is a big part of it too. I can tell you firsthand that I think, you know, Tyler's already improved our, our performance as a whole. You know what I mean? Just in yesterday's race alone, you know, I look back, we had a, we honestly had a running joke last year. We'd have shop photos and it was our four RCR Alliance cars on the same straightaway where it's Austin, Ty, Bubba and Daniel last year. And we'd all be within a half a straightaway of each other and running, you know, 18th to 25th, something like that all day long. Where yesterday we had that same issue where it was but the three, the 43, and the 13 all together, and Tyler was up there running seventh or eighth. And we just all, I know we were focused a lot on Tyler's SMT and trying to help Bubba with, you know, you know what he was doing in his car and where he was running the racetrack. And, you know, we were still a little too free at the end to make a lot of headway, but we still ran top 20 all race. We ended up 21st. Uh, Austin made good improvements throughout the race. He up got up in the 11th position or so towards the end. I don't know where he if we ended up, but he, he got better as the race went on. So I'm assuming they were doing a lot of the same stuff. So you, you see already the improvement that's that's coming with Tyler just and it's just a matter of getting up there and, and ripping it man I, it's it's impressive yeah getting that track position and keeping it was was the key at Darlington I feel like it, at one point in that race I was sitting back and it, you know we mentioned racing Chase Elliott hard if I could have just passed him or just had you know that one money stop that he did I'm looking at being sixth instead of set of tenth and the whole the whole race changes and that really brought it to me is just uh got to execute all day long got to watch out for wall banners coming off the fence and not getting them stuck in their nose either. I want to hear your take on that. I got two more questions. One of them is about that. So the racetrack is coming apart. The wall banner is coming apart. It's affecting various drivers day and it's affecting it in large ways. When that happens, what should NASCAR do? If anything? Well, you know, if it wouldn't go to the point of affecting our cars balance as much as it does, I'm all for just staying green, but you know, when I saw it on Denny's car, I, I really just thought Denny had slowed down. I didn't realize it was a, it was hurting his car's performance as much as it was. Uh, when I saw it come flying off, I saw just a glimpse of it, and I'm like, oh, geez, I just – I caught this thing, whatever. I hope I don't overheat. I went into turn three and four, and I thought I blew a tire. Like, I don't know how I didn't knock the wall down. So, I mean, it knocked an incredible amount of speed out of my car. It really felt like I blew a tire. Uh, we got off the splitter, and it was just dangling on the right front nose, and we were really, really tight. It was – it was crazy. I couldn't, I, I could never imagine that it would cause that much performance loss. So knowing what we do now about it, um, I think the drivers would be adamant to, to make a statement and, you know, let them know that, Hey, this is really affecting our cars. So they might throw the caution more eagerly now knowing what they do, or they may just paint them back on for Wednesday. I, I joked with, with the, the NASCAR drivers group me with, with the, you know, Steve O'Donnell and all the guys and they're like, Hey, can we go back to painted banners for, for Wednesday night <laughs> or painted sponsor signs? So, Hopefully they'll be painted when we get back there on Wednesday. This is my last question. Uh, we're obviously a spotter podcast. You have Derek Nealon, who left Chip Ganassi Racing, left Kyle Larson. There were a bunch of spotters on the roof that literally were, were thinking, were questioning, what is Derek Nealon doing? He's leaving Kyle Larson to go work with a rookie. Like so, so you obviously have a veteran spotter. A guy that's won races, been in a lot of races and a lot of series. He's a former driver himself up in Maine. 
How much has he helped you in the Cup Series, knowing that you got an experienced guy up there? I mean, he's 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 been awesome. I've I've been lucky to work with some really good spotters. You know, back when I had after zero, after TJ, you're talking about <laughs> no, even TJ. I mean, <laughs> I literally had no idea what I was doing on super speedways, and TJ would just tell me, "All right, you're going to the bottom. You're going to the top. You're going to block here. Pull the side draft. All right, now you're going to pull off." Like I had no idea what I was doing, but TJ pretty much taught me everything. You know, taught me all the fundamentals. Uh, he was he was very bossy at times too, but that's what I needed. Um, and whenever I got to Chip Ganassi Racing, Derek was just really good about explaining the lines and just telling me the little details that I needed at that point. And whenever we parted ways and I went to Junior Motorsports and had, you know, Earl Barbin, I had a lot of fun with Earl. Um, but, you know, I just I just knew that, you know, just, me and Derek just had a really good connection there. So uh, when the opportunity opened up for, uh, you know, Derek was available uh, on the Xfinity side when Ross in uh, the 42 car didn't happen on the Xfinity side, I'd, me and Randall both jumped on that to try and get him to do that car. And we just had a lot of,